Good morning, Little Masters, and welcome back to today's Tolkien Times. I'm the Man of the West, also from the Prancing Pony podcast. Let's get week 23 underway with another Mailbag Monday. Now, Melanie writes in asking not about some deeply obscure Middle-earth lore, but for something far less obscure, my opinion. She asks, what do you consider to be the scariest or creepiest creature in the Legendarium and why? Well, first off, my apologies for not seeing this question in time to put it in a couple of weeks ago before Halloween. Second, if you think I'm going to have just a single answer to this question, you are wrong. Now, before I get to my top 10 list, it's time for a few honorable mentions. Karkaroth, the Red Maw, spawn of Draugluin himself, and fed with the flesh of elves and men by the hand of Morgoth himself. Plus, he caused the death of the best dog ever, so... Gollum, wicked, deceitful, given to fits of violence, mostly strangling, obsessed with jewelry, smells of dead fish. The dead in the dead marshes and their accompanying wisps also get an honorable mention. Shelob, terrifying evil spirit in giant spider form, but pales in comparison to her mama. Lobelia Sackville Baggins, utterly terrifying. First for Bilbo and Frodo, but later for the ruffians. I'll give you Sharky, you dirty thieving ruffian, says she, and ups with her umbrella and goes for the leader near twice her size. Tom freaking Bombadil. Unaffected by the most powerful artifact in the world. Wears yellow boots. Practically kidnapped Goldberry if the poem is to be believed. He's the so-called master of a domain filled not with yellow boot-wearing, poetry-spewing hipsters, but with hateful trees and an enchanted river, hostile to all other two-legged life, and surrounded by barrows filled with hateful whites. I think that speaks volumes of his mastery. Also speaks in trochaic tetrameter, which is reason enough to be on this list. But now, it's the top ten scariest or creepiest creatures in the Legendarium, in your host's humble opinion, starting with number ten, The Watchers. Statues possessed by evil spirits, apparently able to use the force, and equipped with very loud car alarms. Very scary indeed. Number nine, Durin's Bane, a terrifying creature of shadow and flame, a blade like a stabbing tongue of fire and a whip of many thongs, and no fear of Gandalf. And it doesn't need actual wings to be scary. Number eight, the Nazgul, especially the Witch King, both creepy and scary. I mean, these guys are dread incarnate and you can't even hurt them. Unless you're a really brave woman and have a halfling with a special blade perform an assist. Number seven, Sauron. Sauron was become now a sorcerer of dreadful power, master of shadows and of phantoms, foul in wisdom, cruel in strength, misshaping what he touched, twisting what he ruled, lord of werewolves, his dominion was torment. Yeah, that qualifies. Number six, Morgoth. And he descended upon Arda in power and majesty greater than any other of the Valar, as a mountain that wades in the sea and has its head above the clouds and is clad in ice and crowned with smoke and fire. And the light of the eyes of Melkor was like a flame that withers with heat and pierces with a deadly cold. Also pretty much Satan. Enough said. Number five, Old Man Willow. I hear your questions now. How can you think a tree is scarier or creepier than Satan himself? Well, Morgoth is what you call the evil that you know. 
But this tree is an ancient, evil, hateful old thing with the ability to cast an AoE sleep spell, use its branches to drown its victims, open up and suck people into its own body, and apparently squeeze its victims in two. It's the first real threat the hobbits face outside of the Shire. And on my first read-through, scared the bejeebers out of me. Enough that when I first went into the old forest in Lotro, I was genuinely scared. Fortunately, the very scary old man Willow is vulnerable to one of the creepiest creatures in Middle-earth, Tom Bombadil. Number four, the Barrow Whites. Or the Barry Whites. Suddenly, a song began, a cold murmur rising and falling. The voice seemed far away and immeasurably dreary, sometimes high in the air and thin, sometimes like a low moan from the ground. Out of the formless stream of sad but horrible sounds, strings of words would now and again shape themselves, grim, hard, cold words, heartless and miserable. The night was railing against the morning of which it was bereaved, and the cold was cursing the warmth for which it hungered. Cold be hand and heart and bone, cold be sleep under stone, never more to wake on stony bed, never till the sun fails and the moon is dead. In the black wind the stars shall die, and still on gold here let them lie, till the dark lord lifts his hand over dead sea and withered land. Yeah, Tolkien could write some creepy stuff. Speaking of creepy, number three, Glaurung. Not so much scary. I mean, yeah, he's scary. He is the father of dragons. But he's creepy for his conniving manipulation. Spoiler alerts for this one. If you've never read The Children of Hurin, you might want to skip forward a couple of minutes. So after the sack of Nargothrond, Glaurung makes his way out just in time to meet Turin. But Glaurung spoke again, taunting Turin, and he said, Evil have been all thy ways, son of Hurin. Thankless fosterling, outlaw, slayer of thy friend, thief of love, usurper of Nargothrond, captain foolhardy and deserter of thy kin, as thralls thy mother and thy sister, Live in Dorloman, in misery and want. Thou art arrayed as a prince, but they go in rags, and for thee they yearn, but thou carest not for that. Glad may thy father be to learn that he hath such a son, as learn he shall. And Turin, being under the spell of Glaurung, hearkened to his words, and he saw himself as in a mirror misshapen by malice, and loathed that which he saw. Now, of course, Glaurung would later encounter Turin's sister Nienor, and laid a spell of utter darkness and forgetfulness upon her, so that she could remember nothing that had ever befallen her, nor her own name, nor the name of any other thing. And for many days she could neither hear, nor see, nor stir by her own will. But Glaurung would, in his cruelty, lift this spell of forgetfulness as he lay dying. Thereat Glaurung stirred for the last time ere he died, and he spoke with his last breath, saying, Hail, Nienor, daughter of Hurin, we meet again ere the end. 
I give thee joy that thou hast found thy brother at last. And now thou shalt know him, a stabber in the dark, treacherous to foes, faithless to friends, and a curse unto his kin, Turin, son of Hurin. But the worst of all his deeds thou shalt feel in thyself. Then Glaurung died, and the veil of his malice was taken from her, and she remembered all the days of her life. Looking down upon Turin, she cried, Farewell, O twice beloved, Ah, Turin, Turin, Bar, Turin, Ambartanen, Master of doom by doom mastered, Oh, happy to be dead. Yeah, this guy definitely belongs on the list. Number two, the watcher in the water, the nameless things. I'm going to lump those two together because clearly the watcher in the water is one of the nameless things. Here is the sum of our knowledge of these creatures. Gandalf explaining that far, far below the deepest delving of the dwarves, the world is gnawed by nameless things. Even Sauron knows them not. They are older than he. Now I have walked there, but I will bring no report to darken the light of day. Now, if Gandalf's right, this means that they were alive before the physical arrival of some of the Maiar, including Sauron, to Arda. A claim that Tom Bombadil also makes about himself, I'll note. We don't even know the nature of these creatures. Are they Maiar, like the Balrogs? Are they monsters of some kind that existed before the Maiar were brought into Arda? Or was Gandalf simply exaggerating? I mean, he's been wrong before. We simply don't know. Or maybe, just maybe, they're related to the number one creature on my list, Ungoliant. There, beneath the sheer walls of the mountains and the cold, dark sea, the shadows were deepest and thickest in the world. And there, in Avatar, secret and unknown, Ungoliant had made her abode. The Eldar knew not whence she came, but some have said that in ages long before she descended from the darkness that lies about Arda, when Melkor first looked down in envy upon the kingdom of Manwe, and that in the beginning she was one of those that he corrupted to his service. But she had disowned her master, desiring to be mistress of her own lust, taking all things to herself to feed her emptiness. Thence she had crept towards the light of the blessed realm, for she hungered for light and hated it. In a ravine she lived and took shape as a spider of monstrous form, weaving her black webs in a cleft of the mountains. There she sucked up all light that she could find and spun it forth again in dark nets of strangling gloom until no light more could come to her abode, and she was famished. Where did she come from? Was she an Ainu, an offspring of the thought of Iluvatar that rebelled and descended to Arda even before Melkor did? Well, we know she's not actually a spider. She's an evil thing that took shape as a giant spider. And then there's this thing she does with light. The text later speaks of it as an unlight in which things seemed to be no more and which eyes could not pierce, for it was void. And the darkness that came after she destroyed the trees was more than a loss of light, but a thing with being of its own. For it was indeed made by malice out of light, 
and it had power to pierce the eye and to enter heart and mind and strangle the very will. She even became so powerful, she frightened Melkor himself. His cry brought multiple Balrogs to his rescue, causing her to flee to what would later be called Nan Dungortheb, the Valley of Dreadful Death. And that is why Ungoliant is number one on the scariest and creepiest creatures in Middle-earth. Well, folks, that wraps it up for a very long Mailbag Monday. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please email it to Barnum at the Prancing Pony Podcast.com. Let him know it's for today's Tolkien Times, and I'll get to it as soon as possible, with priority going to patrons of the show, of course. Please visit patreon.com slash Tolkien Times to learn how you can support the show and get an ad-free feed, a monthly hangout with me, a bonus weekly episode, and a lot more. Join me again tomorrow on today's Tolkien Times for Tolkien Tuesday as we learn more about the professor himself. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, please be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications. Please follow or subscribe in your podcast apps and follow at Tolkien Times on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And finally, as Faramir says, go with the goodwill of all good men. <laughs>